we go. Acts 2 church. I'll say this about church and the Acts 2 church is that when you think of church, I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe uh, family, maybe weddings, maybe funerals come to mind, maybe youth camp uh, comes to mind. There's maybe a whole lot of things that come to mind when you think about church. Um, but what does God want you to think about church? And the reason that I believe God put this on my heart for us to just talk about the Acts 2 church and us building an Acts 2 church is because of everything that comes along with that. You see, when you build an Acts 2 type church, everything that comes along with that includes covenant with God, it includes healings, it includes deliverances, it includes prosperity, it includes uh, overcoming uh, addiction, overcoming sin, uh, it includes salvation, it includes all of those things when you build the Acts 2 church the way that God wants us to build it. And so that's what I want to look at. So if you look at Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, I want to look at a couple verses, and I want to go to the end of Acts chapter 2. Um, looking at Acts chapter 2, we should have that up there, yeah. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this, When the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all on how many accords? One accord in how many places? One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Drop down in that same chapter to verse number 40. Look at how the church grows. Peter preached from there, but look at verse 40. It says, and with many other words, he testified, talking about Peter. He testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear, means reverence, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You know, there's a lot in there. And I really believe that, you know, we do church. We do church today in the 21st century. Um, I, I really believe in the simplicity of the first church there in Acts. You know, there's a simplicity, I think, that we miss sometimes. You know, they preached the gospel. They were in the presence of the Lord. They were on one accord. Now, that doesn't mean that they all agreed on everything. I mean, there were some sharp disagreements. But their goal was to have the mind of Christ. Their goal was to go this way and to be on one accord. And so that's the difference. It's not that we, don't, uh, that we all have to agree on everything. But it's just that I'm not trying to prove to you that I'm right. And you're not trying to prove to me that you're right. We're both trying to see what Jesus is saying about the situation. 
It's a humility. It's a submission. And so there's a simplicity. They preached the gospel. They were on one accord. God added to the church daily. People were healed. People were saved. People were delivered. People were in the presence of God. People understood God. God spoke to them, and they grew and matured in God. There's a simplicity to that. I mean, with all of our programs and all the things that we do, and I love all of this stuff. Again, I'm not downing anything. I mean, I believe the Lord calls us to do so many different things. And I know that, uh, you know, if the disciples had the Internet and jet planes and all sorts of things, they would have done uh, so many things back in those days. Uh, but, you know, God never changes. He stays the same. His word is the same as it was in the original Acts 2 church, come on, as it is today. The same preaching that was done then can be done today. Maybe a different style, maybe with uh, PowerPoints and keynotes and all of that. But the same word will go out. The same word will heal. The same word will save. The same word will deliver. The same word will encourage us. The same word will provide for us. The same word that was in the Acts 2 church is the same word that we have today. And so let's not make it more complicated than it is. And it's not just about the church as a whole. Well, what, you know, the church as a whole, uh, but how do I fit into that? This is about the church as a whole and how you fit into that. We're all stones being built together into one church. And we all benefit from that. We all benefit from the presence of the Lord. I know you're going through things in your personal life. Maybe there's some things that you want to overcome. Maybe debt. Maybe there's a sin in your life. I don't know. Uh, that thing that so easily besets you. Maybe there's relationships in your life. Maybe it's a marriage or a father-daughter relationship or whatever it might be. Maybe there's a boss uh, that really gets on your nerves. Maybe you're having car problems. Maybe it's uh, financial. Who knows what it is? We all go through things at different levels. But when we have the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. And so when we come together and build this Acts 2 church, we all benefit from that. God speaks to our lack. God speaks to our sickness. God speaks uh, to all of those things in our life when we are together. No one is an island, and we must do this thing together. So what words come to mind when you think of church? I mean, there's tons of words that come to my mind. Maybe family, worship, teaching, friendship, people, uh, who knows? Maybe it's exciting, maybe boring, uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe giving, uh, serving, praying, maybe all of those things come to mind. All of these things, grace, uh, connecting, opportunity, learning, what comes to your mind? Maybe security, maybe hypocrite. I don't have that up there. Maybe that comes to your mind when you think of church. Provision, direction, what types of things come to your mind? What about passion, being blessed? Maybe it's a holy place to you. Maybe there's support. Maybe giving. Maybe that's a positive thing. Maybe that's a negative thing for you. <laughs> when you think of church, all you think about is, oh, I got to go to church and give in the offering. I know they're going to talk about the offering. Maybe that's something that comes to your mind. I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe powerful. The church is powerful. Maybe impotent comes to your mind I know it has before in my mind I've thought you know what what is the church doing God said if my people who are called by my name shall come together and pray and seek my face I will hear it from heaven and I will heal their land what are we doing as a church you know and so I, I've thought that before maybe laughter comes to mind maybe relationships I don't know God's presence our next series we're going to be talking about presence and the presence of the Lord 
Maybe faith building. Maybe unconditional love. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about church. All of these things do make up the church. But there's one thread throughout the whole church that has to be there. And I, I do think that the world is hypocritical when we call some things church that are not church. I want to establish this. And that is that the church is, was designed, was started, is being built, and cannot be outside of the realm of the person of Jesus Christ. That if, if there's anything that's outside of the realm of Jesus Christ, it is not church. Because Jesus Christ started the church. He was the first one to use church. He came up with the idea for church. All right, He is the head of the church. He is the foundation of the church. He's the one who breathes life into the church. He's the very word that sustains the church. There is no church without Jesus Christ. And so I don't want to step on your toes, or maybe I do uh, this morning. Uh, I, I'm not trying to push you away if you have some different views about different things, but there's no such thing. It's an oxymoron to say the universal Unitarian church. I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say that. And I, I, again, if you disagree, I, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. I love you, and uh, I, will, I will not disassociate myself from you because you disagree with me. <laughs> I will not do that. But church has to be Jesus Christ. That is, that, you cannot get around Jesus Christ. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with Jesus Christ. I was reading this. <laughs> I was reading C.S. Lewis. We know that he wrote, what, the book, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. And he wrote many other books. He had this one writing called The Screwtape Letters. I don't know if you've ever read that, uh, you know, or, or seen some of those. But in that, he writes this. He writes, uh, Screwtape, who was a senior devil, uh, is instructing a junior devil on how to tempt and trap humans. Of the church, he says, Screwtape, says, one of our greatest allies at present is the church itself. Think about this now. He said, do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, uh, terrible as an army with banners. That's not what I'm talking about. He says, uh, that I confess is a spectacle which makes, makes our boldest tempters uneasy when we see that in the church. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to humans. That part of the church is quite invisible to humans. What do you think of when you think of church? Do you think of all of these words? Or do you think of what Screwtape thinks of when he really sees the church for who she is? Spread out through all time and space, rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners, preaching the name of Jesus where nothing is impossible. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Augustine said this, he said, He cannot have God for his father who does not have the church for his mother. As long as we are on this earth, the church is what we are a part of. Matthew chapter 16, looking at verse 16, you know this story. It says this, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Because Jesus had just asked him, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? You are the Christ, he said, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, means the son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, you weren't taught this in school. You didn't go to church on Sunday and get seven points on who Jesus is. That's not how this was revealed to you. So it's not revealed to you by that. But uh, flesh and blood did not do it. My Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this 
revelation of who I am. On this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. And get this, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, gates can be looking at, looked at in two different terms here. Gates have been used in the Bible as uh, maybe people or spiritual beings who are being used either by God or by the devil, gates. Or gates can be looked at as what we know gates are, as uh, to surround maybe a property. And what does a gate do? It is designed to either keep something in or keep something out. So as I think about that, when I look at this and, 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 and really uh, digest this scripture, as he says, I will build my church on this revelation that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Jesus himself is the Rose of Sharon. Jesus was here before it all began, and he'll be here after it's all over. Jesus is uh, all in all. If you have that revelation, I'll build my church on it, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what it tells me? It tells me that the, in that word for gates there does literally, it doesn't mean the gates that where, where people are being used as gates. It literally means fence, a gate that's meant to keep something out. So it's not where the gates of hell are coming against you on the offense and you're I'm trying to not let the gates of hell prevail against me that means you're on the offense and the gates of hell can't keep you out they can't keep you down they can't stop you from doing what God has called you to do the God, devil can put up a gate he can put up a fortress he can put up a fence but guess what with the power that God has put in you you'll go right through it I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail as we move forward as a church. You're on the offensive church. You're not a defensive church. You're not an impotent church. The Acts 2 church was out there doing it. Come on, somebody. The Acts 2 church was doing it. They sat and they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. And they were all on one accord. And when the Spirit came, they had power. They had power to be witnesses. They had power to do what God had called them to do. And so think of yourself that way now, church, and not as some passive church that just waits. Oh, let's just wait. Let's just pray, and let's just hope that things would work out. We're just from the back and from the shadows. We'll just pray and just hope things work out out there in the world. You know, the president and the Congress and the mayor and uh, welfare and who, whatever programs are out there and all these kind of things and the universities and institutions and all of that. They're doing what they're doing, and they're making it all happen. We're just in the back praying for them that it would happen. No. No, church, you are the forefront. You are the example. The world is to look to you to see how to do things, how to love each other, how to do a program. The, the world should be looking to you to see how to do a program. You and I, how to do it. How do we help people? How do we get them jobs? How do we do all of those social things? Guess what? People say, well, the church is a separation of church and state. 
Church shouldn't be in the social aspect. You know what? The Acts 2 church had everything to do with politics. The, the Acts 2 church had everything to do with social programs. Come on, somebody. Listen, they, were, they, they came and said, look, our widows uh, are not being taken care of. I know, I know y'all, you, you, you doing all, you're preaching and doing all that stuff, but here our widows are not being taken care of. They had to deal with that. They had to go and pray and lay hands on people and come up with a social program to help the widows. Come on, somebody. We're to, we're to be in all of it. We need some Christian senators and Christian doctors and a Christian president. Come on, somebody. We need, we need to have our fingers in all of that. All of that. The Acts 2 church was in it. They were in it. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and 10 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building according to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul is saying. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each take heed how he builds. It's up to us to do the building. We've got to do a little bit more than sitting on the sideline. I heard a, I heard a coach say one time, you can't win unless you're in the game. I heard another famous football coach one time say, you play to win the game. You play to win the game. I don't know about you, church, but I'm not just playing life to sit on the sideline. I know it's not a game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to compare it, but I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not going through life to just sit on the sideline, just to get up every day and go to work and eat and get up the next day and go to work and eat and get up the next day and go to work. You know, I'm putting eat in there every day, but, and eat, and, you know, and whatever it might be. I mean, I'm not just going through life for that. There's got to be more to it than this. I mean, I know I've used this same example tons of times, but I use it again uh, just because the Super Bowl's coming upon us. Uh, you know, I heard uh, this, the GOAT, <laughs> uh, the, you know, Tom Brady say one time after he won his third Super Bowl, he said, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, that's amazing for a person to come to the pinnacle of his profession to do the best that he's ever done more, multiple times and to say there's got to be more to life than this. I'm telling you, church, there's got to be more to life than this. There's more to it than this. And God wants us to discover what that more is. Each of you have a purpose, and we have a purpose together. As the Acts 2 church, we have a purpose together. We need to get to that place in our heart, like David said in Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When we get to that point, everything else flows out of that. God, listen, he, he, God told his people in Chronicles, if my people, we, we want to complain what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with uh, politics, what's wrong with social programs, what's wrong with people who are killing people, kids going into schools and killing each other. If there's a God, why would he allow that to happen? Guess what? We're allowing it to happen. Because he said, if my people who are called by my name, by the way, that's you and I, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, then I will hear from heaven. Is it God that's lacking, or is it us? So here's the reason, here's the reason why, as we kick off this series, here's the reason that uh, I, I, I felt really strongly that God wanted us to start the year off with this talking about the Acts 2 church. Number one is to raise our passion level for the church to raise our passion level for the church. There are so many things that are important in our lives that are important to us. 
uh, job is important to us, maybe thinking about retirement, maybe, uh, you know, our marriage, getting married, married, maybe it's our children, uh, who knows, all the things that are important to us. A church should be one of those things if you're a Christian. It should be a passion of yours. You should want to see the church do better. You should want to see the church thrive and prosper, not just the pastor. We all, we, listen, you know, you know, we look at different positions in the church and we call people different names, you know, and this is one thing I've come to grips with in my life, but I, I, I have to tell you, my wife will tell you, I've been very discouraged and cynical about a lot of the names that we use uh, and how we use them in church. I mean, who's the bishop? Who's cardinal this and who's wants to be called pastor if somebody doesn't call you pastor then you know it offends you or whatever like that that that's what defines you we're all part of the body of christ i don't care what you're called or what position you are elder deacon pastor apostle teacher whatever you might be evangelist prophet i'm the prophet that's great prophesy something good or be quiet be quiet stop talking about you the prophet and prophesy Come on, we're, we're all part of the body, all of us, from the person who cleans the church, come on, to, to, and it, it, I, I say that like it's a low position, actually that's a high position, you know what, you know the four one another's we talked about a couple weeks ago, what were they, love, encourage one another, forgive one another, you remember what the fourth one was, serve one another, in the church, do you know that we should be taught in the church to be the absolute best servant that we can be, that's what we should be teaching each other. That's what I should be striving to do, to be the best servant that I can be in the church. When we get that revelation, we're on, our, on the road to an Acts 2 church. Number two, to establish a clear vision of the kind of church we are becoming. Notice I didn't say we will become one day. We are becoming. Even today, you may not see it, but we are becoming this church. We are becoming the Acts 2 church. And by the way, don't forget, don't forget, I'm not, I'm not saying these things just so that they can benefit you personally. But I will say this, it will benefit you personally. It will benefit you personally to be part of an Acts 2 church. It will benefit you. Number three is to bring healing to the hearts of those who have been hurt in or by the church. The church has offended people. As much as I love the church, we have to realize that, yes, we have. We have offended people. And if you don't feel like you're wrong, I was, tell, I was telling my son, we had a good conversation uh, last night, and I was recounting to him this story I've told here also before uh, about a, a, an older lady who is in Countersport, Pennsylvania, true story, and uh, she had a cuckoo clock. Some of you may remember this story. Um, she had a cuckoo clock on the wall, and uh, she was a, a longtime member, a pillar of this church up here, Countersport, Pennsylvania, and uh, this one Sunday, some young people came to the Lord. Young people got saved in their early 20s, late teens, uh, six or seven people got saved, and she invited them over her house for dinner uh, after church that Sunday. So they said, yeah, we were, they were so excited. They were on fire for God. And uh, they knew that she was a pillar in the church. She had been there and she had a lot of wisdom. So they went over to her house for dinner. And one of the young men noticed a cuckoo clock on the wall because, uh, you know, at two o'clock or whatever it was, a little bird came out, said cuckoo, went back in. And so what happened is this guy got offended. This young man was offended and he said, listen, that's an idol. This, this thing on the wall is an idol. So this lady who had been probably saved longer than he had been alive easily, 
Okay, what could she have done? Maybe she could have went, gone to scripture and shown him maybe that this is not an idol or, you know, talked about liberty in the scripture. She could have done a lot of things uh, to teach him. That was a good teaching moment for her when he said that. But do you know what she did? She took the cuckoo clock down off the wall while he was over her house. Even though she could have proved him wrong in her mind and herself right. But instead of doing that, why do we always have to be right? I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Not the, not the B-I-B-L-E, the B-I-V-A, the Bible. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, and I'm not going to hold back. I'm just going to let you know because the Bible says it. We think just because the Bible says it, we can say it any kind of way and hurt people's feelings. See, it's, it's also the spirit. You know, Jody, you told me. You, it's the spirit and we, how we say things as well. We offend people and we push them away. And we say, we, I don't care. People, if they come in this church, uh, I don't care how they feel. We're not, because we feel like we're not, we're lowering our standards sometimes. Now, we shouldn't lower our standards. You know that for us. You know we don't lower our standards. But at the same time, we have to understand we're trying to get people in the church. Hello? We're trying to get people in, not push them away. That doesn't mean lower your standards. But what it does mean is to have some compassion and some empathy for people. At least validate their concerns. We heard that with the millennials. Validate their concerns validate their concerns and so we got to stop pushing people away and so we want to get to a place where we heal we heal those hurts and reconcile we're not always right just because I've been a Christian for 32 years doesn't mean I'm always right and you're not always wrong just because you've been a Christian for six and a half minutes okay and vice versa <laughs> number four to convince a new generation, this is on my heart, to convince a new generation that the church is worth giving your life for, young people. This is why I'm starting this series as well. To convince a new generation that the church is worth it. We, we, sometimes we haven't done a very good job of presenting that to the next generation. Generation Z, whatever it is. After that, I don't know what's going to be double A's. After that, I don't know. But we, we, sometimes we haven't done a good job in presenting and convincing this generation that it is, this, this is worth giving your life for. Because if you give your life for it, God's given his life for you already. And I, he had a lot more to give than you. A lot more to lose, I'll put it that way. But he didn't lose anything. He gave it all for you. Number five, to unite our hearts in fulfilling our mission to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Mark 12, 29, Jesus answered them, he said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. In other words, we want to get to the point where there's nothing left out, nothing left for us. We, we're not holding anything back. When we come to worship the Lord and we come to give to the Lord, we're not holding anything back. We're giving it all to him. Next is to identify obvious factors that made the first church so dynamic. We want to do that in this series. We want to identify what, what was it about this first church that made them so dynamic. And I don't have 67 points on dynamics. It, it, there's a simplicity to it. As complicated as I like to be, and you know I like to be complicated. I love to have some points. Uh, but but it's a, there's a simplicity. Preach Jesus, love the Lord, be an example. That's where we want to get to, identify these factors that made this church so dynamic. And we want to restore the church to that place, that place that's dynamic. And then next, we want to impart a vision for a biblically functioning church. 
We're going to talk about being a presence-driven church in our next series. But we want to impart this vision and being a biblically functioning church. We want to function according to the Bible. Now, let me just tell you this. By the way, functioning according to the Bible, when you talk about uh, being a biblically driven church, when you talk about uh, holiness, uh, when you talk about all, you know, being an apostolic driven church and all of this, well, you, there's things that come to our mind. At least in my generation, I know there's some things, if you've been in church, there's some things that come to your mind when you think about that. You might think about the, you know, those ladies that wore the hats. Everybody all right? They wore the hat during church that had fruit on it or whatever it might be. You know, women dressed a certain way. You know, you clap a certain way, whatever it might be. And the different songs that we sang and all of that, all of it was great. I loved it. I love the culture of the church and I love all that. Don't make you saved. Don't mean you're going to heaven. Don't mean you're holy. Doesn't mean any of those things. All it means is that you dress nice that day and that you look really good and you sing a little off key, but you, you know the words to the song. And, but it's good. I, I love that. I love the culture. I, I do. I love that culture. Uh, but again, if we want to get to a biblically driven church, there's only, and, and we want to be a Holy Spirit church, there's only two things we can do. One is read the Bible, and the second is follow the Holy Spirit. Th those are the two things that, that we have to get back to. What does the Holy Spirit It doesn't mean you're uptight. It doesn't mean any of those things. You can follow the Holy Spirit in a t-shirt and jeans. You can follow the Holy Spirit and not speak perfect English. You know, I wish you did. You know, we're in a college town, but if you don't, I don't. So, uh, you know, you can, you, it's, it's following whatever the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, you know who had the best, uh, absolute best revelation of this? The best revelation of faith and obedience uh, in the world. The, the, the best revelation was Mary, Jesus' mother. When she said just a few words. Okay, I was thinking how many words it was. Four words, she said. Whatever he says, that's five words. Whatever he says, do it. I thought do it was one word. Do it was two words. Whatever he says, do it. <laughs> she said, we're out of wine. He said, woman. Now, that was, that was affectionate back in those days. Son, don't say that to your mom, woman, today. That's different. But he said, woman, mother, what does that have to do with me? My time, my time is not here. She didn't even acknowledge him. She, if you go back and read the story. When, when he said, what's that got to do with me? You, just, you asked me and my friends to come to this wedding. My cousin, I didn't even really want to come, but I, it, there's no, I, there's, it's not, my time is not yet. She said, hmm, whatever he says, do it. She looked at her servants and said, whatever he says, do it. Greatest revelation of obedience to the Holy Spirit I've ever seen in all of the Bible. Whatever he says, do it. That's, it's, it's as simple as that. See, we complicate it too much. We complicate it. And then also to raise the commitment level toward the local church. That's why. I want us to raise our commitment level. This doesn't mean you have to serve longer hours or any of those things. But just you, it starts here in your heart. You got to want to see the church prosper. Whatever church it is, whether it's Life Church, whether you belong to another local church, as long as it's a, a church preaching Jesus Christ, we have to want to see the church prosper. Want to see it prosper. Want to see it prosper. Reminded of a story, I wrote this down. A previously faithful church member suddenly stopped attending church. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. The man was at home alone, you may have heard this story, sitting before a blazing fire as it was a chilly evening. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, he knew, because he knew he didn't go to church the last three weeks. 
Uh, the man welcomed him in, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, and waited. Didn't say anything. The pastor made himself comfortable, but he said nothing, silently watching the fire. After a while, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a bright burning ember, and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. So the host watched this, quite fascinated, as the one lone ember's flame diminished. There was a momentary glow, and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead as a doornail. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. As the pastor stood to leave, he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, Thank you so much for your visit, and especially for the fiery sermon. I shall see you next Sunday. <laughs> what he's saying is we can't do it on our own. We can't be by ourselves. We need to have a church that's together, a church that's on one accord. And again, I just want to repeat this. It's, it's, it's not that this is so that you can be happy, but you will be happy. Can I just say that? It's not just to uh, cater to your every whim, like the church is here only for you and you're the only one that exists. But guess what? The church is here for you. And God loves you like you're the only one that exists. That's what uh, he left the 99 means. We sing that song, uh, but it was a scripture long before it was a song. That means he'll leave the 99 just for you. But you have to be part of the flock in the first place.